abundant life. Shinar read our verse for us. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I'm going to tell you a little story before we move on. A story that I heard appropriate for this time of the season because we're getting into hunting season, hunting season. And it was about a man who had gone hunting. He got lost. He was found by another group of hunters. A little, little bit antsy. He was a little bit upset. He was lost. So they said, you know, you look to be okay. He said, yeah, 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 I'm fine. All I need is a smoke. And the guy said, well, I'm sorry. None of us have any cigarettes. We, we gave it up because someone in our group had trouble with smoking. So none of us smoke. Oh, 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 okay. So they got him back to the hunting camp. At the hunting camp, they got him something to eat. And they said, is there anything we could do? He said, oh, my. He said, I really could use a drink. And they said, well, we don't have anything stronger than coffee. Somebody has a problem with drinking, so we've decided none of us are going to drink. And the guy said, I'm not alive. I'm dead and gone to heaven. This is a cruel joke. (laughs) So anyone that's ever been in a situation where (laughs) what you felt were your basic needs weren't met might be able to sympathize with this poor lost hunter. Health, looking at health, or those types of topics for a lot, of, a lot of people are like nails on a chalkboard. Hopefully this morning you will get something. We're sort of going to go in a little different spin on health. Health, or, or the word abundant, the term used for abundant health in that uh, translation came from a word you see there meaning superabundant, superfluous, overflowing, over and above a certain quantity, a quality so abundant as to be considerably more than what one could expect or anticipate. And when you hear that phrase, abundant life, different things will come to different people's minds. As they say, one person's Uh, medicine is another person's poison. So we may not all think the same thing, and that's fine. For some people, thinking of that, they only think of material things. They want a nice house. They want to be comfortable. They want to have all of those toys of life. That isn't quite what's being talked about here. And anyone who's read scripture says, we can certainly have that abundant life, and that abundant life can start now, but it may include a lot of things we're not thinking about. It reminds us of another verse. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Beautiful promise. And without the faith, faith to connect to that, we sometimes don't appreciate those things that he has in in store for us. I was thinking, I guess we had done Paul in the kids' Sabbath school downstairs, and I was thinking of, for Paul, sometimes people get upset because they can't do something. And it isn't until you realize what you're doing isn't right 
that you have any guilt about it. And I was thinking about Paul. It wasn't until he met Jesus that he realized all those things he felt he was doing for God was not at all. He was doing the opposite to what was required. And sometimes then he felt guilty. Then he knew he had to choose a different path. So sometimes we get on that road and realize we need to make that, that different path. Ephesians 3.20. Paul informs us that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. We sometimes set ourselves up for failure thinking, I can't do that. You know, I, I don't want to do that. And we're in a, a quandary. And then finally, 3 John 3, sorry, 3 John 2, certainly a, God desires that we prosper in all things and be in health. Doing all the right things make you healthy? Yes, no. Not a guarantee. Not a guarantee. We're guaranteed taxes and death. Right? We're not guaranteed. It certainly increases the chances that your quality of life will be good. But we're not guaranteed. There are a lot of things beyond our control. Having a connection with Christ can make a lot of those things that are beyond our control much better. The best thing you can do for your health, tongue-in-cheek has been said, choose your parents well. Right? Because a lot of things, the predisposition is passed on. That's borne out in Mrs. White's writings. You know, that predisposition is here. Studies they've done on people, lifestyles over a long period of time, find that healthy lifestyles can help mitigate or, or fix, so to speak, some of those hereditary uh, predispositions we have, be it to certain diseases or certain behaviors. You're not guaranteed to have a heart attack because your dad did if you change some of the things that he may have done that precipitated his early, early heart attack. So there's things that can be done. Most people are familiar with what's called the Eight Laws of Health, written in a book called Ministry of Healing that was written over a hundred years ago, long before the um, science on smoking and eating well and being physically active. Those things are all confirmed now in, by science, and we'll look at a teeny bit of that. She wrote over a hundred years ago, Pure air, sunlight, abstentiousness, rest, exercise, proper diet, the use of water, trust in divine power. These are the true remedies. They give health, they can restore health. A number of different health agencies have put together different acronyms and different ways of looking at those um, activities. New Start is one that a lot of people are familiar with. It's one that we talk about in our cooking school. It's, it's um, an acronym used by Weimar. Uh, Pastor Putt's son is there going to school. But they use these, 
these, um, this acronym, nutrition, healthy eating, exercise or physical activity, the importance of that, water, sunlight, sunshine, temperance, avoiding the things that are harmful, moderation for the things that are good, air, rest, trust. We tend to put, as it were, all our eggs in one basket and usually look only at the nutrition component. Well, today we're not looking at the nutrition component. We're going to go in a different spin, even though we know nutrition is important. Another um, more recent arrival on the block has been Creation Health. Creation Health is by Florida Hospital in Orlando. They look at holistic health. They look at not just getting the person well. It looks at all those other pieces of the health uh, picture. Because health is more than just no disease, nothing wrong with you, so to speak. It looks at choice. In their little acronym, they look at choice, rest, environment, activity, which means physical activity, as well as some other things, trust, interpersonal relationships, Outlook, how we look at life situations, being a pessimist or being an optimist, or nutrition. Those things are important, right? There might be a bit more than that to it. A few years ago, there was a lot of talk about blue zones. National Geographic did quite a big piece on it. Um, they looked at different cultures around the world, and they looked at their habits what contributed to health and longevity? What did people do? These were the habits they came up with. Uh, I don't know how long ago. I didn't check the date on the study, but some time back. Probably 10 years, give or take. Some of the things that they looked at that they felt were common in these um, people that had lived long years and were healthy. Moderate, regular physical activity. They tended to walk more. They didn't necessarily need to go to the gym more, even though, in one of the, or, and what makes it interesting, one of the um, communities, one of the um, populations that were part of these, I think it was five blue zones, was Loma Linda, California. The Adventist population in Loma Linda, California were classed in these sort of elite, healthy, healthy individuals. And when you look at the principles, you can see why. Moderate, regular physical activity, life purpose, know where you're going. We're going to come back to that later on. Stress reduction, moderate caloric intake, plant-based diet, low alcohol intake, especially wine, Engagement in spiritual, spiritually, spirituality or religion. Engagement in family life. Engagement in social life. They weren't hermits or recluse. They were people that were active in their communities, in their families. That lived a life certainly of moderation, but active and involved. Like I said, we're not focusing on some of the main things. We're going to have a couple of general things to look at. We know for sure that diet has changed, and it is a concern, but we're not looking so much at that today. You can see there that plant-based fruit and vegetables make up a small part of the North American diet. 
And that is one consistent thing. People often um, get confused because of the amount of information that can come across the wires. And they wonder, well, one day they're saying it's good and one day they're saying it's bad. Sometimes it's the setup of the study. We know that the Creator's operating manual tells us to. God said, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you. To you it shall be for food. Genesis 1.29. We know that. Enough of eating for right now. Physical activity, important. Physical inactivity is second only to smoking as a cause of chronic disease. So if you have a wonderful, great, fantastic vegetarian diet, your physical inactivity can increase all-cause mortality. It does happen. So you do need to um, be active. But we're going to look at a different thing. We're going to look at rest. Rest is a component of, the, of both Weimar and um, uh, creation health. Rest refreshes, rejuvenates, regenerates, and rebuilds body, mind, and soul. We know, if we read Corinthians, we can see that connection between our body and our mind. Any of you that have had a toothache, an allergy, a problem with your eyes, you know how much it really affects your whole ability to think and function. Right? If you have to have your eyes bandaged for some reason, you know how much it influences your ability to walk. So those things are connected. Rest is easily dropped off at the, because, it, because of, the, um, of life's busyness to get ahead often, particularly in people that are really striving to get up that corporate ladder. Right rest at the right time has incredible power to heal people. What robs us of sleep and rest? You might have your own list, but it makes a difference. It might be life demands. Life seems to be busier. With all our labor-saving devices, we seem to have less and less time. So life demands can get in the way. Getting ahead, desiring to work harder, to get that promotion, to get more money, to get more vacation. Electronics, certainly. You know, the thumbs get more exercise than our feet sometimes, just doing things. Or staying up. When we used to do the blood pressure clinics out at Bayview, if someone was saying they want to get five or six hours of sleep at night, then we'd certainly, we'd sort of ask them gently, well, how come you only get, are you not able to sleep or you're staying up late? A lot of them will sheepishly say, yeah, I stay up and watch TV. And then comes morning, and they, they have trouble uh, getting up or else they have to get up and go to work. So they're getting less sleep because of that. Inability to turn off. They lie down and their brain is still going 100 miles an hour for all those things they have to do. They can't turn it off. Or they can't say no. Um, this week has been <laughs> rather humbling because <laughs> I've gotten into that, not so much the saying no, but because of things that I had taken on and I couldn't. Suddenly, in, in some communication with Nancy, I realized I'd forgot to send her two items she needed for the uh, newsletter. 
And uh, she knew I was visiting Susan and didn't want to sort of email me to remind me that I hadn't sent them to her. And they were on the computer, just went over my head. And then yesterday morning, amidst all the rush of getting ready, this is the end of September. We just had a newsletter, right? No. We had an August newsletter for September, but we didn't have a September newsletter for <laughs> October. So next week, your newsletter will be ready. It started, but nowhere near finished. So it was sort of that wake-up call that, yeah, sometimes you think you have lots of time, but taking on too many things. Some stories of sleep deprivation. The four that are listed here, the four events, sleep deprivation contributed to that accident. The Exxon Valdez, a major accident um, with an oil carrier on the west coast of Canada and Alaska up along there. Um, the captain that was in charge at the time had many hours on duty. This is something like 22 hours they'd been loading ship, getting ready to move out. And he was told to move out into a certain main channel at a certain point. So he was at the helm doing his thing. Apparently the alarms went off, but in his sleep-deprived stupor, it didn't really register until they had the crash and the accident. It was considered at the time that alcohol was involved. He did have some alcohol, but when they looked at the bigger picture and the amount of sleep he'd had in the past 24 or 48 hours, he, he just wasn't able to function. The Challenger explosion, the, the people that work in the, um, uh, the command station, a lot of them had very long hours. The person that came, out, came in for the night shift had only had two hours sleep in the last 24 before he came in. And it wasn't unusual for them to, to have very long hours prior to uh, uh, a blast off. So I guess they somehow missed something in their checking because of this sleep deprivation. Three Mile Island, a nuclear disaster in the United States and New York quite a few years ago. Again, long, long ships. The people had been working 13 hours when this, this happened, this event happened. And then Chernobyl, same sort of thing. Long hours working. They didn't catch the warning signals that something was happening. For us, it may not be as dramatic. Some of you may have fallen asleep at the wheel, driving. You just sort of ignore those first few signs of, oh, it's getting to be time I stopped, and we don't. And uh, in Oklahoma, they consider, California and Oklahoma, because there's very long straight stretches, 50% of the fatalities are because someone has fallen asleep. So that sort of thing does happen. We're warned about being drowsy. It's a different a different um, uh, direction, but we sort of get the idea. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour ho has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Our sleep is important, and we do need sleep. And without that, we can be in a slumber more than we might want to. Some of the facts and figures around inadequate sleep 70, in a study of 70,000 women, they found that those who slept five hours a night, thereabouts, had a 40% higher rate of heart attacks than people who slept eight hours. Sleep makes a difference to our health. 
And this is the connection they found recently, both for adults and children. Lack of sleep contributes to obesity. Because, particularly for people working nights, because they can't tell if they're hungry or tired. So you tend to do what you think, you eat. And then a third study um, in 2009 placed working nights, one category above known carcinogens like asbestos as a cause for cancer. So people that work nights all the time are more likely to get cancer. Not a guarantee, more likely. Uh, I think this one will show up. There are benefits of sleep. Helps neural functioning. Gives neurons a chance to recuperate. Those little um, pieces in your brain, in your body that transmit messages. Improves the immune system and prevents disease. And this is rather cute. If you want to fly with the eagles, you better not hoot with the owls. So people, again, burning the candle at both ends. Some eight, for a lot of people, they can't turn it off. They, they can't forget things and put it away so that they can sleep. One of the um, uh, pastors used this as some food for thought. A lot of the Psalms will have pieces similar to this. In this one, it's, uh, David is writing, Answer me when I call to you my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you have, you love delusions and seek false gods? He goes through here several things, complaints in distress because of what's going on around him. But what does, what does he end with? You can have a read, read through it this afternoon. Verse, the last verse, verse 8 of Psalm 4, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Our sleep is important. And sometimes people make choices that cut their sleep. Or else, as in this psalm, they're so distressed. Um, a story is told about a... a, a an older lady during World War II in England with the bombs falling. And she never had any trouble sleeping. The bombs would fall and she would sleep. And people said, well, how can you sleep all night with the bombs falling? She says, well, I pray. I pray before I go to bed. And I might as well sleep because if God's up anyway, two of us don't need to be up. And she was able to ignore and sleep through the night. So to be able to develop that relaxation habits, to find something to put into your brain instead of the thoughts of your to-do list or the trouble you're having in one, one direction or another. This is one that I particularly like. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You trust, there's nothing, worrying is like a rocking chair. It keeps you busy, it doesn't get you anywhere. So to try to turn that off and trust in the Lord to do it. We are especially blessed to have the Sabbath. A time when, if you follow it and really do things, a friend of Susan's went to medical school 
tough, tough. And she decided to do gynecological surgery. Tough go. And she said several times she was tempted to study all Sabbath because there was just so much to do and learn. But she sort of decided she would not do that. And she said throughout her, her, her schooling, she consistently did not take Sabbath as a day for studying. And she said she was blessed. Other people did. They didn't do any better in that they did study all the time and, and studied on Sabbath. But in the end, you know, she didn't come out any worse for it. She's finished. She used that day to rest. Genesis 2, on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. And in 3, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from his work, which God had created and made. Certainly, even people that are um, Sunday keepers no longer keep that day as a day of rest like it was some decades ago. People that, in studies, that take a day off a week do much better than people work, that work seven hours, um, se sorry, seven days a week in order to make more money. They take that day off, studies show their health's better, their mental health's better, and their functioning at work is better. Thus mistakes, that sort of thing. In the gospel, Jesus invited his disciples, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We need that rest. We need that time to come apart and to consider our options. Choices. That quality that separates us from lower forms of life. We have choice. Our choice should be conscious decision-making, not because the crowd's doing it, not because it's the easy way out. We're consciously deciding those important things. Should be consistent with our will, our beliefs, and our goals. Creation Health says that all of us, not just our church, should have a mission and specific goals that we're aiming for, be it in the week or the month. Things that are important, that are God-led, preferably. Not let circumstances make your decisions. Small choices make big differences in the end. We look at our lifestyles and may think, oh, I might as well give up. There's no way I can live like whatever. Small little choices make big differences in the end. Adding an extra piece of fruit or veggie to your day when you're at one, only one or two now, it's going to make a difference. It'll make it easier to make others down the road. When we look at Matthew 4, 1 to 11, I haven't put it on the screen, but just open your, your Bibles to that. Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Most of you would be familiar with that. Then Jesus was led, sorry, looking for the, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. 
But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, You are the Son of God. Throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in his hands he shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, It is written, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. Any connection to us? When we think about it? Jesus said yes to coming to earth. Yes to living as a human being. To suffering all that he suffered in his life and in his death. But he said no, no, no here. He was saying no. And it's the same sorts of situations we may find ourselves in at different times. If you are in that first temptation, if you are the Son of God, prior to his wilderness um, fast of 40 days, he'd just been baptized. He'd just heard that voice coming down confirming who he was. You can imagine being in a situation you certainly don't look like the person you were 40 days ago after wandering in the desert for 40 days. And that temptation to prove, yes, I am. I'm who I say I am with that humanity in them. But he was sure of his identity. He knew who he was. So in essence, he said, no, not doing that, not taking that shortcut. To cast himself down. The Messiah was expected to come in, in a, a, a different form to the people of Israel. Satan was offering him a spectacular way to make an entry, to suddenly descend from the temple down. And whether Satan would avoid him up or whether he would avoid himself up. Anyway, a shortcut again. But he knew what his, his goal was. He was following God's plan. God had a plan. It didn't involve this shortcut by making a spectacular entry. He was going to live as a man among men. And number three, Satan offered him the whole world. And that's what he was coming for, right? Jesus was coming to take back that possession that was lost at the fall with Adam and Eve. And he's offering this opportunity to to do that to have all this and you don't have to go through any of this you know, nonsense that you have before you. But Jesus said no. Not taking a shortcut. I have a mission. I know what my mission is. I know what my mission, when my mission is over, I will know that that's there. To keep our eyes on where we're going. We make, someone work this out, we make about seven... 70 decisions a day. 
And you can multiply that by a year by all your life and you get in the millions of decisions we make. Quite often we're saying yes to things we should have said no to. Do we say no instead of saying yes? We should be saying no instead of saying yes to a lot of the things that come up in our lives. Decisions we make around, be it our health, our well-being, our jobs. Does this decision I'm making going to help me towards that plan that God has for me? The goal, the mission that I'm on. Is it going to get me there? And without sometimes setting that little plan, um, Randy Roberts in one of his tapes was talking about that somebody will phone him and want him to do a presentation or um, a sermon series. And he said when he looks at his calendar, he figures, oh, well, that's a year away, nothing in the calendar. He said, and then when I get there, I think, who put that in my calendar? You know, don't they know I'm busy? How come that's there? And, and he said one speaker, uh, a book he read, had the story, or, or gave the advice, sorry, that, you know, if someone asked you to do that today, would you make that choice? You know, like the newsletter. You know, ask me today, <laughs> or yesterday when I was up to my eyes about the newsletter, <clears throat> I would, would have said, no, I cannot take anything else on, I'm up to my eyes. So we need to consider realistically, and often we don't. Oh, it just takes an hour. Oh, it doesn't take very long. And a lot of things don't. Compounded, they do. So does it distract? Do we know where we're going? Jeremiah says, <clears throat> excuse me, for I know the plans I have for you, the Lord says, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. We know there's something better. We're going in that direction. And James, every good thing, sorry, every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In, in one of Randy Roberts' sermons, he tells the story um, that he'd read in a book about a lady named Cynthia. When Cynthia was 12, she had this plan with her dad. He was a speaker. He had a speaker in San, he was a speak, he had a um, speaking engagement in San Francisco. They made a very elaborate plan that she would come to the auditorium at the end of his speech, hear the last bit, and then they would slip out quickly before anybody could grab them. They'd ride the trolley cars, they'd go downtown, They'd have Chinese food. They'd see the sights down there. They'd come back. They'd watch a movie at their hotel. They'd have ice cream sundaes real late at night. She was 12 at the time. She said she looked forward to that day so, so much. All went according to her plan. Mom dropped her off at the hotel. She went up, sat in the room, and listened to her dad finish off his, delivery, his speech delivery. At the end of it, as planned, he took her hand. They started to leave. An old friend of her dad's caught them just as they were leaving. And they knew each other some time ago. And the man was saying, so nice to see you. Come on, my wife and I will take you downtown to the harbor and we'll go out for supper. It'll be really good. And you can bring Cynthia along. He was going on and on. And, and her dad said, boy, that sounds really great. A night down there to have food, that sounds really great. And she said she was devastated. She just sat there and figured, but all our plans... 
And then the dad said, he wasn't finished. He said, but Cynthia and I have a date. I'd love to go later. We could take a rain check. But tonight, Cynthia and I have a date. And she said he took her hand and he left. And they went down and had their evening. And she said, you know, it just gave her such an example. The man's name, her dad's name, Stephen Covey, who wrote several books, among them uh, Habits of Highly Successful People. Certainly a very positive role model for what he believes in. Where are we going? How are we getting there? What are we doing that interferes with that plan? He pointed out sometimes we want to, you know, live healthy and do the right things, but we want to taste all that's out there that isn't good for us. We want to do better, but we make other choices that are not in keeping with our goals. Think about our goals for health, for our Christian walk. Thank you.